Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew and I'm the lead pastor and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, head to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. And if you fill out the short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to the nonprofit that's listed on your form. Well, today we've come to the end of our series of talks we've had for the last five weeks about staying positive. Now, it's not easy staying positive in a negative world, right? But how many of y'all know that if you can stay positive in a negative environment like what we're in, you're going to get something pretty special, right? In fact, if you want to be someone who lives for God effectively, you cannot afford to be negative. You can't afford to be cynical and combative. That reflects the wrong attitude, the wrong heart. You have to stay positive. So as we said in our first talk, we're going to stay positive by embracing God's promise for every person who loves and serves Him. Now, God is working everything, not some things, not a few things, but God's working everything out for our good. And then we learn about the cure for complaining, because you know, complaining and being negative, they really go hand in hand, don't they? And the cure for complaining that's going to help you stay positive is to have gratitude. In fact, gratitude is the gateway to peace in your life, and that's going to eliminate all kinds of negative emotions for you. And then our third talk, we discovered three truths to help build your confidence, right? That God is for us, and He's helping us, and He's still working in us. But even being confident can't completely protect us from the periods of discouragement. So in our fourth talk, we learned whenever we get discouraged, we need to build our confidence up, not ourselves, but in the Lord. And remember that God's goodness and promises that He's proclaimed over our lives, that's just going to build our confidence up. And then last week, we talked about how to get your passion back. Now, it's difficult to stay positive if you're running on empty, especially if you're, you know, that spiritual passion you had, if it's kind of waning. But getting your passion back comes down to trusting, walking, and worshiping God every single day. And as you do those things, your spiritual passion begins to stir, and it comes roaring back. Well, there's one final lesson we want to explore today about how to stay positive in a negative world, and it's one which is really difficult for us to learn, because if we're going to stay positive in a negative world, we have to learn to be content. We have to learn to stop comparing and start living a life of contentment. So comparison is something all of us struggle with at times. It comes in different forms and impacts us on different levels, but we've all had issues with comparison. And what happens when we compare is we convince ourselves that we don't measure up. It creates dissatisfaction in our lives. That leads to what? It leads to negativity, right? We become jealous and bitter and envious and even angry uh, that we don't have what other people have right? And if comparison's really gotten into us and it's become really poisonous, we'll convince ourselves we have a right to things that we don't have. Well, what makes combating comparison tricky is it's not always obvious. It shows itself in a variety of different ways. So maybe you compare your kids to other kids, right? Or your house was fine until you went to somebody else and they bought a bigger house and it's nicer and now yours isn't. Or maybe your husband's good to you until you see on social media that other husbands are doing things for their wives that are better than what yours is doing. Or maybe your wife is amazing until you hear stories from the guys about their wives. And you know, before you know it, what happens is what was good is now worthless 
difference because anything and everything has, has kind of changed in the view of comparison. You're no longer valuing what you do have. You're coveting what other people have and wishing things have changed and wishing you had things that you don't have. So I want to take it to a New Testament letter written by a guy named Paul, the Christians living in a city called Corinth. Now to bring us up all on the same page, I want to give you a heads up on what's happening before we start reading here. Corinth is kind of a wild place. It's kind of like the, the Vegas of the ancient world, or at least that's kind of how I always thought of it. Um, there's no societal or cultural like norms in Corinth, okay? Just to give you an idea, when Paul is writing to another letter to the Corinthian Christians, he actually has to address in that letter a major issue where the church leadership allows a man and his stepmom to have an ongoing sexual relationship. And they were cool with that, right? To be a Corinthian is not a compliment back then. It was actually almost a derogatory term. So Paul and his team, they planted churches in Corinth, and they raised up and developed leaders. And now, in their absence, others have come in, and they're trying to take credit for their work and trying to discredit them. And so some fierce comparison begins happening. And Paul's going to address this issue in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. Check this out. We're going to read all the way down to verse number 18 if you're following along at home. But they, these are the guys comparing here, are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. So how ignorant is that? We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God God's given us, which includes our working with you. We're not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. There's that reference to sort of church planning I was talking about earlier, right? Nor do we boast, he says, and claim credit for the work that somebody else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. And then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you when no one else is working. I love that. Then there'll be no question of our boasting about work being done in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. What a great lesson right here. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Ignorant. That's how Paul describes the Corinthians who are playing the comparison game. Now, why is that? Because Paul knows when this comparison takes root in your life, you'll never be content. You'll always be comparing your struggles with other people's strengths. You'll be choosing to view yourself through a lens of things that you won't actually share with other people, while at the same time, you'll be looking at other people through a lens of what they've actually shared. It's never going to add up. You're always going to fall but into comparison when you do that. And by the way, this is what happens happens on social media all the time. We compare our struggles to everybody else's highlight reels. So how do you stay positive and defeat comparison then? Well, you learn to be content by implementing two really important key strategies in your life, okay? First one right here, you have to starve the other measures. In our passage, Paul notes the Corinthians are using each other as a standard of measurement for their comparing, right? What they should be doing, he says in verse number 13, is comparing themselves against God's standards. Only God's standards standards matter in the end, right? That's the one you should put everything up against. When we start comparing ourselves against other measures, what we're actually doing is we're looking for a way to elevate ourselves, okay? We're feeding our pride. The only reason we're comparing is to see if we're better than somebody else. We're sizing up the room, and when we size up the room, we try to do one of two things. Either we're feeling good in comparison to everybody else, kind of like the, man, I'm better than you, I'm better than her, I'm definitely better than him over there, you know? Or we're feeling 
feeling absolutely terrible in comparison to everybody else. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. You know, they're so much better than me. One is concerned with pride. That's the first one. The other is concerned with pity. And both pride and pity are the results of comparison and that egotistical desire to get people to do what? To notice us. To put it another way, when we're comparing, we're actually competing. Did you know that? There's a story about two brothers in the first book of the Bible called Genesis. Now, if you're not familiar with the story and where I'm going, their names were Cain and Abel. And both brought sacrifices to God. Now, Abel brought the best of his sheep. Cain brought some of the grain and vegetables from his harvest. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the best. He rejects Cain's because even though Abel brought the best, Cain brought the leftovers. Cain compared what he brought to what his brother brought. And he starts viewing worship to God as a competition and jealousy begins to grow. Why is it what I bring good enough, you know? How come God doesn't honor me the same way he honors my brother? And it gives way to hatred until finally Cain can't take it any longer. He wants his offerings to be accepted. He has to be better. And the only way to make sure that happens is to take Abel out. He doesn't kill his brother, by the way, because he hated him. He killed his brother because he hated what his brother had. Let that sink in for a moment. How many people are you offended and irritated by simply because of what they have? Because you've been comparing yourself to them. Maybe you think, you know, they, they got better than you, right? They're getting all the breaks and you're not. Uh, they get the higher end clothes. They take better trips. Their kids never get into trouble, you know. And slowly but surely you begin to build resentment. And that resentment gives birth to bitterness. And now comparison has deeply rooted itself within you, man. And you're convinced that everybody else is better than you and worse. Just maybe, maybe. Maybe God doesn't care or value you as much as you thought. So to compensate for all this, what do you do? Well, you sometimes will overshoot your accomplishments. Look what Paul says in verse number 15. Check this out. He says, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. So in other words, here's what Paul's saying here, right? Paul is saying he's not worried about making his accomplishments greater than what they are. He's not going to compare that. He's not comparing what he's doing to what others have been doing. He wants to see people people grow in Christ. He wants to see lives come into God's kingdom. So how many times do you catch yourself comparing your hindrances to somebody else's highlights and you kind of think, oh, there must be something wrong with me, you know? Hey, listen to me. Just lean in a little bit. You don't know the end of your beginning. Can I tell you that today? You don't know the end of your beginning. Don't look at someone else's finished product and compare it to the beginning of yours. You don't know what it cost that person to get where they are. You don't know the blood, the sweat, and the tears that God put them through to get them where they're at. And by the way, all that's going to be coming your way too. And the very people you're comparing yourself to, they might be the very ones that God uses to help you get through the road He's called you to travel on. So don't compare where somebody else is to where you are. Why? Because we're all on different stages and different journeys. But as Christians, we're all on the same team, all right? Some of us are starting out, and it's just the beginning, right? Others of us are nearing the finish line, and then some are halfway there. Just be grateful for where you are and know that God has more in store for you. Starve the measures and take the measurement. Look to, look to the measurement that God has for us as your comparison, right? And then you can adopt the second key strategy once you start doing that. That's giving God credit. Look at verse number 16. I like how another version called the message puts it. Verse 16 says this. We have no intention, Paul says, of moving in 
in on what others have done and taking credit for it. If you want to claim credit, claim it for God. I love that key point here, that it's God's credit, man. Claim it for God. Why? Because it's God's work. The focus is God's sovereign plan. Now, when we say God is sovereign, okay, here's what we mean by that. We mean that God is in complete control of absolutely everything. He has a plan and purpose for your life, right? Much of what happens to you happens because it's part of God's overall plan for you. And that means whenever things go well, you can't take credit for them, right? You didn't make it happen. God did. So if you want to claim credit, uh, which is at the root of comparing, is we want to feel better about ourselves, right? You need to claim that credit for God. And when you give credit to God, you can be content with what God has actually given you. We don't always do a great job of reflecting on everything God's given us there, right? And we don't do a good job of thinking of what God's done for us either. So our negativity takes the, the focus off of what God has done and gives and puts it on what we don't have. But when we're staying positive, all we can think about is the blessings God has given us. Think for a moment about all that God's done for you and what God's given you. I mean, if you were born in America, now I, I know our nation's polarized right now and there's political jockeying everywhere, but the truth is if you're born in America, you hit the jackpot, right? It's the greatest nation on planet Earth. It's one of the most free, if not the freest countries in the world. You don't have the same opportunities in China or France or Costa Rica as you do in America. And so there you go, man. Blessing number one, give God credit for that, that you found yourself here, that you were born here, that God placed you here. What about the house you have though, right? What about the house you have? What about the car you should drive or the job that pays the bills? How amazing is it that God gave you an incredible spouse and fabulous family? Think about the, the, the odds of making that one connection with that one individual and all the doors that opened up after that, right? Was that by chance? Was it just dumb luck? Or was it orchestrated by God because he has a greater plan for your life, right? When you're comparing yourself to other people, you can't see all the things that God has done for you and what God has given you. And, and, and you'll, you'll start to drift out of your lane. And as a result, the comparison will wreck your life, man. I ran track in high school. I did it every spring. And I did the 400, 800, and 1600 meters. Now, you have to stay in your lane in the 400 and 800 races. You can't leave. Now, I never saw a runner in another lane look around to see where the other runners were at. Never did that. You were laser focused on your lane. You know why? Because if you look to the lanes beside you, you would take your focus off your own lane and you would drift and that could disqualify you or you'd lose a second or two, which in a race is a pretty big deal uh, because you were too busy looking around where everybody was at instead of staying focused on where you were running. You've got to stay focused on the path that God has called you to, okay? Don't worry about other people. Don't, don't, don't look to see what they're doing. Don't compare what they have and, and what you have. Once you remember what God has done, you're able to trust Him and trust that He's not forgotten about you, that He didn't create you for nothing, that there is a purpose for your life. So thank Him for what He's done. And thank Him for what you do have, rather than begging for what you don't have. There will always be somebody who's bigger, who's more successful, who gets more breaks. They're always going to be out there. There's always a bigger fish. But, and this is really important, there's no one who can do what God's purposed you to do. No one can lead your family like you can lead them. No one can impact your circle of friends like you can. No one can do what God has purposed and called you to do better than you. So don't long for somebody else's journey. Be thankful for the journey that God specifically carved out for you. There's two key strategies, right, for staying positive and being content. Starve the measures and give credit to God. But before we wrap up, though, I want to draw your attention to the very last verse in our passage today. Check this passage out, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 18. 
When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Now, we compare because we want what we don't have, right? Because we want credit. All that's true. But we also compare because we want people's approval. So we want people to acknowledge how hard we work. We want folks to admire our skill set. We want people to be jealous of what we have. We want folks to notice us, right? So what do we do? Talk ourselves up. You know, we paint the rosiest picture we can. We exaggerate how things actually played out. We fudge the details a little bit. We cut the corners in kind of a rounded way, all because we want the approval of other people. But Paul reminds us that what we say about ourselves doesn't mean much. In effect, it actually, you know, means what others might say about us doesn't amount to much either. What really matters in the end is what God says about us. So when I'm comparing, I'm putting myself first. But when I'm content, I'm putting God first. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. It'll dig deep roots into your life, man, and absolutely rip your heart out. It is the fertilizer for jealousy and hatred and bitterness and anger and all those awful negative things which can grow in our hearts. And it's something I've dealt with just like many of you have. In fact, I'll be real with you for a moment. I debated whether or not to be like vulnerable in this way today, but I can't expect you to live and walk in vulnerability and transparency if I'm not willing to do the same. So for years, I struggled with comparison. It was the weakest link in my life. And, and I mostly compared myself to other, other people, right? Pastors, my church to other churches, my preaching style to other styles, my staff to other staffs, my resources to other resources. The list was kind of endless, okay? And it's been such an up and down journey for me. But a couple years ago, I had a comparison bout where I, I just compared an opportunity another pastor had with me and, and, and where I'm at. And it should have been something to celebrate, I could, but I couldn't do it, you know? And instead what I did was I just gave lip service to it. I was like, hey man, that's so great, exciting, fantastic, happy for you, right? But inwardly, I'm, I'm bitter and I'm angry because it's not me. And I was reminded of something I heard long ago, almost like the Holy Spirit kind of pulled in the foul cabinet and pulled out a truth I needed to hear. You cannot compare yourself to somebody else and celebrate them at the same time. Let that sink in for a moment, man. You can't compare yourself to someone else and celebrate them at the same time. You can't compare yourself and walk in the purpose that God has for you. You can't compare yourself and expect God to bring, you know, blessing and honor. You can't, you can't do that. And it hit me, and I, I'm beginning, you know, I'm just kind of being real right now. It hit me that God was holding back blessing and promotion in my life because I hadn't torn that comparison stronghold down. I hadn't learned to be content. I hadn't starved the other measures. I had to give credit to God. I had to stop comparing to win other people's approval. Philippians 4.13, it's a really famous verse. Paul wrote this in another letter, too, that he writes in the New Testament. And he says this in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that verse is taken out of context all the time. People quote it before big meetings, and athletes put it on their faces and stuff for ball games, and they use it to describe how they'll overcome some big challenge or obstacle. Yeah, I can do it because of Christ, you know? And uh, it's just a motivational one-liner. But the truth is this verse is not about your ability to do anything. The truth is this verse is about contentment. In the context that it's found in chapter 4 in Philippians, Paul's referencing all that he's been through. Back up a few verses and you'll see that Paul's talking about how he's learned to be content with anything because he's been through so much. And he continues that thought process throughout the end of the letter. And so what Paul is really saying with this famous verse that he wrote is he's, he's, he's content. He's had a little. He's had plenty. He's starved. He's been well fed. He can be content in any and every situation he finds himself in because he's learned 
to be content with the life and purpose and situations that God has placed them in. That's why he can do anything through Christ. He's learned to be content. When you can be content like Paul, what God has given you and where God will take you, what God has purposed you to do, you will defeat comparison every time. You'll stay positive in a negative world. You'll find promotion. You'll find God's blessings. And you won't be held back because you can stay positive and embrace a life of contentment. Now, some of you right now, like, you know, you're feeling this today a little bit, hitting home a little bit too much for you, maybe. Maybe God's holding back some blessing in your life or promotion in your life, man, because He wants you to learn to be content and to stop comparing. And so what if today you ended the comparison game? What if you stopped comparing so you could celebrate other people? What if you starved other measures and only measured yourself up to God's standard? What if you gave God credit and didn't care about taking credit for yourself and talking yourself up? What if you were content with just God's approval? Know what happened? Well, not only would you stay positive, man, but you'll be free be free. You'll be free to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. You'll be free to walk the journey that God's called you to. You'll be free because when you stop comparing and you start looking to Jesus, He truly changes everything. Here's what I want to do here today. Perhaps you're listening, you're watching right now, and you're just saying, Pastor, that is totally me. I've played the comparison game and it's kicking my butt. It's killing me. I got to stop. I want to pray for you today. I want, I want to pray for you that you'll stop comparing and start being content with the life that God has given you. Can I do that for you today? And also, I want to extend an invitation as well to those of you who might be listening or watching today and you realize that, okay, I, I've, I've been comparing. I, I didn't even know there was a life to be content with in Christ because, honestly, I'm listening and I just didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize that God wanted some of these things, that God had a purpose for me, God had a plan for me, that God has a whole life and journey carved out just for me. I want to get in on that. And if that's you today, then I'm going to extend an invitation for you to be part of God's kingdom. Now, how you do that, in a moment, I'll pray for you. And uh, we're just going to ask Christ to be Lord and Savior of our lives. And how we do that is, we just say a prayer. We say, hey, Lord, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my wrong. I'm giving my life over to you. That's making him Savior. He forgives you of your sin. And then we say, hey, be Lord of my life. My life belongs to you and not my own anymore. That makes him Lord. He's now Lord of your life. You've submitted yourself to him. And now he's Lord and Savior. And you're part of God's kingdom. And you can begin to walk the life that God has for you. And then we'll come back and we'll pray for those of you, man, who are struggling with comparison. I want you to know, you don't got to struggle. You can be content. God wants you to be content. And he wants you to be free today. So, Father, I thank you for what you're going to do in every heart and life that's out there today. Lord, I pray first of all for those who don't know you, that they will come to know you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.